0: This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores.
1: This is Willie Anderson, and you're listening to the iTest for Two.
2: Wow. Where did the time go, Ira? You know, I think Ben Roethlisberger's is asking the same question these days. <laughs> anyway, um, before we say goodbye to 2021, we'd really like to say hello to next year with a Pro Football Hall of Fame's Class of 2022 Modern Era finalists, which was announced this afternoon. Now, it includes five offensive players. That would be wide receivers Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne, and Torrey Holt. And two offensive linemen be Tony Baselli and Willie Anderson. Nine defensive players, defensive linemen, Jared Allen, Richard Seymour, and Bryant Young. Four linebackers, Sam Mills, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, and Patrick Willis. Two defensive backs, cornerback Ronde Barber. Have you heard of Ronde Barber? Uh, you know, I, I think he played in the 90s or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think he's from your I don't know. Ronde Barber and safety, Leroy Butler. And one very special teamist player, that would be Devin Hester. Now, Hester, Johnson, and Ware are in their first years of eligibility. But the two guys who intrigue me the most, defensive end Bryant Young, who was a finalist in 2020, and I'm talking about friend of the show, Bryant Young, who was a finalist in 2020, but somehow disappeared a year ago. I don't know where he went. And then friend of the show, right tackle, Willie Anderson, Cincinnati, a finalist for the first time is nine years of eligibility. Now to help Ira and me dissect this group of finalists, we're joined by our old friend and Ira, let's be honest, a resource for us. That would be historian John Turney, a Pro Football Journal. And John, thanks so much for being here again. First of all, your overall impressions of this group.
1: Well, as always, it's a very good list. These are, these are great football players. And the ones that got left off, those uh, there were eleven of them. Those right. were good. players, great football players. So uh, kudos to the committee uh, because in my post of yesterday, I got fourteen to fifteen right. So oh, I guess nice. great minds think alike.
2: Nice. So, Ira, where are you on this? what are your impressions of it? Well, I love the well, fact that I, I love the fact that it's skewed on defense. Clark, I I think that's going to make our
3: our buddy Rick Goslin very happy. Clark, (laughs) it should. Um, And you know, congratulations to Andre Johnson because he beat out Anquan Bolden and Steve Smith. Now, those are three tough receivers, but you know what? He's a friend of a show. That's right. And let's be honest who the heck was throwing passes to Andre Johnson in Houston most of those years? Give him his due. We put those numbers up with nondescript guys under center.
2: Yeah, he also beat out Heinz Ward. Also beat out Heinz Ward. Right. Hey, hey John, right. were you you surprised that uh, Andre Johnson made the cut?
1: Well, he was one. He was what I would call sixteenth on my list. I went with Heinz Ward as well, but it was difficult. I thought there was some buzz for Heinz Ward because he was more of a complete guy. He wasn't a deep threat, but he was underneath great. He put the, he he blocked extremely well. And he he had the the hardware, the jewelry, the Super Bowl stuff. So, yeah, I was a little surprised that Johnson, although he was a specimen and he was a great player, and I think he has a shot someday, he did lack some of the stats that you need to be an elite Hall of Fame first ballot kind of guy like uh, touchdown passes. If you don't have 100, sometimes I wonder if you're doing your job. Right. And he was well below hundred.
2: Yeah, that's right. And, and Ira, I mentioned at the beginning here, two guys who intrigued me. Uh, Devin Hester uh, is not, he's not one of them that we'll get to him, but Willie Anderson and Bryant Young. And let's go first to Bryant Young, friend of the show, as we mentioned, but he dis- did disappear a year ago as a finalist. And we were sort of aghast, like, wait a minute, we've got nine of the 10 finalists from 2020 back and we've got one guy missing. That's B-Y. What happened here? And and honestly, I, I'm, I'll be Frank with you, I'm part, I'm partisan towards him. Um, I covered him. I, I like him very much. I thought he was a great football player, but he never seemed to get any traction. And now he's back. And I guess maybe I'd ask you why, although I think I have a pretty good idea. Why? Because the 49ers, and I'm talking specifically about Kirk Reynolds who used to be the PR director and Matt Maioco, who was all of fame voted, did a really good job of getting opposing offensive linemen who played against Bryant young to testify on his behalf, essentially, without him knowing it. And, and they, they to a man, were saying, well, he's not like, great. He was better than some of the guys who are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, including Warren Sapp and John Randall. But uh, Ira, you surprised to see him back. Well, I think
3: Clark and I think John, John Turney will agree with me. The, the key for Bryant Young, Clark, is to be now in the room every year. And yes. get in the queue. Get right. in the queue. Um, I don't think he's going to beat out Richard Seymour for the He's class not. of 22. And I don't think John Turney believes that either. Uh and then you got Jared Allens hanging around with some big numbers. But if Brian Young is in that room every year for the next 3 or 4 years, which he deserves to be, his day
2: is going to come, Clark. His day is going to come. Well, I know John Turney's a big fan of his and John, you can speak on his behalf.
1: Well, there's there's some interesting things I think the voters might get a chance to hear this time that they might not have heard before. One thing is you've got to remember how devastating that break was. We yeah. all saw it. It was unbelievable. He came back the year after that, and that happened after 12 games in 98. So he that's missed right. the last four games. He played in week one of uh, the next year and had 11 sacks that year in that gruesome-looking thing. So that's one of those things I call intangible. You can't yeah. measure it. But it's just something that you just kind of step back and say, wow, that was kind of incredible. Another thing that people don't know, that was something that that we've collected over the years at Pro Football Journal, is, as everyone knows, wide receivers, there's four slots for the Pro Bowl. Running backs, there's four slots. Uh, Quarterbacks, there's three slots, so it's three times the number of the starters. But for defensive tackles, there's only three. For ends, there's three. So in other words, for the non-skill guys, they're, they're one slot short. So a lot of times the alternates do take on some significance in terms of if a guy was consistent. Um, Bryant Young, although he, he didn't have a ton of Pro Bowls, he had four. Warren Sapp had seven. But Bryant Young was a, an alternate uh, seven times. So you're talking about a guy who was in the money, if you will, 10 or 11 times in his career. That just kind of shows consistency if it doesn't show spectacular uh, year in, year out, if, if you get what I'm saying. Here was a oh, guy sir. that was always there.
2: Yeah, no, that's right. And I, and I think Ira's absolutely right. Once you get in that room, you've got to stay there. But we always we would tell people in the past that we, we'd run into Listen, once you're in that room, the next move is in the top 10. Once you're in the top 10. You're in the on-deck circle. And for him to go backwards really hurt his candidacy for the short term. But to come back, John, frankly, reminds me, and Ira can attest to this, of uh, Steve Atwater. In 2016, he was a finalist. 17 and 18, he disappeared. And I thought he was gone. And Ira knows that because he had John Lynch. And I kept saying, hey, John Lynch is going in the wrong direction. He may join Steve Atwater at some point. And then lo and behold, in 2019, Atwater reappears. And not only reappears. He becomes a top ten guy, and in 2020, he's elected. So I, I hope something similar happens here,
1: John. Well, I have a question for you two, if you don't mind. Yeah. What do you think about What do you think about the, the mantra of respect the queue? You have the ten guys that were in the final ten last year. Five, right. you know, the five made it. One uh, didn't make it. So you've got four there. Do you think they have a chance to kind of just move up and be those four? And really, we're looking at one of these 11 being the fifth guy. I wouldn't be
3: surprised, Clark. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. If not all four uh, remaining top 10 guys, uh, at least three of them, Clark. And I don't have really a problem with it, Clark, because there's no Peyton Manning here, uh, as good as Marcus Ware is in terms of first-year eligibles, that's going to sail past everybody like a Randy Moss, Clark. I don't see it between Devin Hester, Ware, and Andre
2: Johnson. So, Clark, if two guys are close and one guy's been waiting in the queue, I'd give him the edge. Yeah, I'm with you, Ira. And, and, John, in answer to your question, I do believe very strongly in respect in the queue. I have for a long time. And I look at this and say, I think the three guys, to me, who I'd never say are, are locks, but I, I'd be shocked if Baselli. Seymour and Butler don't make it. I think maybe that's who Ira had in mind as top three. I don't know about Zach Thomas. I really don't. I mean, he's the the, the fourth holdover from the yeah. top 10 last year. I mean, the, the fifth would be Clay Matthews, who's no longer eligible. He's in the senior category. But I do think that Zach Thomas is a guy who's a little bit on the edge here because, quite frankly, I think we've talked about it. Ira has, and, and John, I've talked about it with you. With Patrick Willis in this group, the question become, who would you rather have, Patrick Willis or Zach Thomas? And I think to a man, people would say, I- I'd take Patrick Willis. But he's in for his first time, and he's got, he's got plenty of years left. Zach Thomas is a guy who's in the queue and waiting on the doorstep. That said, I lean towards Zach Thomas. Now, DeMarcus Ware probably would be the fifth guy um, because he has 138 and a half sacks. And, you know, Jason Taylor had one more. And we put him in as a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, I never saw DeMarcus Ware as a first ballot Hall of Famer, but maybe that's the case. If not, yeah, I think somebody could come out of nowhere. Would it be a Jared Allen? I don't know. Could it be a Bryant Young? I don't think so. I really don't think he's got that kind of momentum. But I think he's got the kind of momentum that Atwater had in 2019 to get into the top 10. And if he's there in the top 10, he ain't going away. So I guess that's a long way of answering, John, saying, yeah, I,
1: I, I'm with you on that. Well, um, that's what I was just curious about, because it's, it's, it's a, a wide open. If it's not that, if, if the boaters reshuffle this deck, then it could be literally any of the five. Sure. If they if they don't go by the queue. Right.
2: Right. And, and now, since we are we talking that, about that, let's talk about Willie Anderson, because he's a long shot, I think, as a. Uh, as a uh, inductee, but the fact that he's in the room, Ira and John, I, I think that's so good because he's a right tackle. Constantly, Ira, over the years, would have been looking at left tackle, left tackle, Rof, um Baselli. Now uh, we were looking at uh, Walter Jones. You know, we it, 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 Orlando Pace always left tackles, but suddenly we've got a guy who's an outlier, right tackle, who is as good as there was at right tackle when he played. And I think that's a step in the right direction, Aaron. And I'm kind of curious to see what you think in terms of his legs, how far he can go in this first year as a finalist. Could he make it in the top 10? I don't think so. I, mean, I think he, the fact that he's there, I'm glad of that. And now I want to see him stay there, as you said.
3: Clark, you know who loves this Willie Anderson pick? Bengal Nation. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and God bless them, John. They've been waiting so long. And mostly they focused... John, on, on Ken Riley and Ken Anderson. And here comes Willie Anderson. God bless him. John, I call him a consummate pro. A consummate pro. Durable, um, sustained excellence. It, it's hard to find blemishes on Willie Anderson, John.
1: Well, I absolutely agree because there were statistics that were kept by offensive line coaches and by stats. Uh, LLC, who's kept Sacks allowed and penalties, and his numbers are match favorably right there with uh, the ones that Clark just mentioned. The left tackles in sacks allowed, uh, which are very few, right there with Passelli, right there with Ogden, right there with uh, well, nobody's with uh, (laughs) nobody's with Walter Jones. He was above all of them in those stats, but Orlando Pace. So he's right there in those. He's right there in all pro. He's got as many All Pros as guys like Jackie Slater. Who who got in really first ballot and Jackie Slater's we all know played twenty years, but he only started fourteen because he took him four years to crack the lineup. And his last three years, he was injured, and and you know we all know kind of what happened there. So skill set wise, if you go by you know and we know the great resource that Pro Scout Inc. is, he was as good a tackle as there was in the game, regardless of left and right. So if I could put a tackle in right now, uh, it would be Sally first, Willie Anderson next year. But that's, yeah. you know, somebody made me king and I'm not king. Clark,
3: um, I, were you surprised at all uh, in terms of special teams that yeah. Devin Hester made it in year one and Clark, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but
2: Steve Tasker's candidacy, I think it's fading a little. Well, it's not fading. I think it's dead. Honestly, he's had so many opportunities and now Devin Hester's jumped in, but Devin Hester was on the 100th anniversary team, one of two guys. And that's the good news. The, the bad news is the other guys: Billy White choose Johnson. He hadn't gotten a sniff. He never got a sniff. I mean, so Devin Hester's in the room as his, in his first year of eligibility. Stunning to me, to be honest with you. I think he will be elected because the board looks like it's more uh, flexible now and, and more lenient in terms of specialists. We put in. Uh, Ray Guy in what, 2014, I think, was it? And then Morton in 16 or 17, one of those years. And, and so we've gotten those two in. But let's face it, how many specialists are the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Three. There's <laughs> three. So uh, I was surprised at that. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Ira. And, and uh, John, I, I'd ask you as well. Um, I know you thought he'd make it. You and I differed on that, but he did. Um, I guess it doesn't come as a surprise to you.
1: Well, it didn't come as a surprise, but I don't think he's going to pop into the top 10 either. I think he'll go out in that first round. Um, So I I think he's somebody worthy of discussion, and I think he's somebody who may eventually get in, but I just don't think it's going to be for a long, long time. He's kind of like somebody that uh, you and I have talked before, and Ira as well, in a highlight generation. He's somebody that's going to catch a lot of eyes, especially the younger voters and even more so the fans. I mean, he was a Twitter favorite when he was named to the final 25, the semifinalist list. So it didn't surprise me that he got the the juice into the final 15. It would surprise me if he made the final 10.
2: Hey, And I agree with you, John. I, I want to ask you something. One other question about Willie Anderson. It's going back for a second. You're an historian. I've seen this stat written before, and you can tell me whether it's accurate or not. They say that he faced nine of the top 10 pass rushers, career pass rushers, sack artists, basically, in his career, in his 13 years, faced nine of the top 10. And of those nine, he allowed only one career sack to Bruce Smith. Is that accurate?
1: Well, I haven't verified that. I have read that, so I can't verify it without doing the own re- my own research. Uh, first blush, it sound, uh, and I don't want to take anything away from his candidacy, because I don't think that particularly would matter if he gave up two. It would still be great. It sounds dubious to me, to be honest with you. Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. Um, John, we'll have Can you look into that. Can I ask in- a question? No, we're going to oh, have I'll you look me. into that, and you come back to us next week with the information, okay, John? Yeah, go ahead and ask. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I have this question about, uh, and I I asked it in in um, kind of an indirect way about the MVP race. It has to do with rarity of achievement. I don't know how to coin that in a better way. But when we're looking at MVPs, you know, Rogers may win it. I don't know if he should or shouldn't, but the point is he's not having a career year not by his own standards and not by the standards we're usually seeing from quarterbacks. 40-plus touchdowns, 5,000 yards. I mean, you get the point. And then you have Cooper Cup, who's doing something that's extremely rare, but he's also playing a position where voters have basically ignored for forever. And so in terms of Hall of Fame, when we talk about Rondé Barber, he has a rarity of achievement, which is, you know pretty stunning if you look at it uh some might say he's not a sticky uh man-to-man cover corner but when he's got his 28 sacks and he's got his 63 tackles for loss on running backs or even wide receivers on screens you know over 90 tackles for loss in addition to his 47 touchdowns and 12 there are 47 picks and 12 defensive touchdowns do you think voters notice esoteric things like that? Or is that just people like me and stat nerds that, that look into that kind of stuff because that's something no other quarterback is close to.
2: That's the man who's going to present him. That would be the sage of set Tampa. I I think John, in all honesty uh, and Clark,
3: you weigh in on this uh, all decade means more all decade. How many all pros, not so much pro bowls, but all pros. If you're a first team, all pro five times, that's resounding in the room um yeah there are some esoteric stats hey guys i, I want to throw this out at you i've been thinking about this because i i got to fill out my ap ballot clark and and i think you vote for those awards too I do, I do. um john listen to this i was thinking of mvp and I, you know i'm leaning towards jonathan taylor i gotta be honest I, i'm really looking at jonathan taylor However, John, they got an offensive player of the year, and I'm thinking about giving that to Cooper Cup. So does that sound crazy, or are those two different awards in your mind?
1: Well, my opinion, that would be fine. You know, if one person is supposedly more valuable to his team, obviously the Colts don't make the playoffs if they make them, but they would be you know, 6-11 or whatever they're going to end up being without him.
3: That's my um, point. Yep, that's my point.
1: Yeah, but I would also submit that the Rams would be under 500 without Cooper Cup. And he has been incredible. And nothing against Matthew Stafford. He's had a great year. But if you look at his first half versus his second half stats, he's like 22nd best quarterback the second half in quarterback rating. He was second in the first eight games. And you see what he's been doing in terms of – chicken with his head cut off throws in the last four or five weeks (laughs) throwing pick sixes and even passes that were picked off and run back to the two so i've seen a lot of their games and cooper Cup saves his rear end a lot so that's just my opinion and i'm not trying to influence one way or the other but if you reverse those votes Taylor, Offensive Player of the Year in Cup MVP, I wouldn't criticize you one bit either. So yeah. flip a coin on those. That's just my opinion.
2: Hey, All right, you're going off script here. We're, we're talking MVP next week. That's the next week's show, okay? We're, we're talking classic Well, I said, I said, I said all finalists. decade. Clock. I said all decade. All oh, decade okay. and all pros are, are okay. one and two in the room. All yeah. right, all right. Guys, surprises. Any surprises with this list of 15 today?
1: surprises John um, well like I said not really I was actually surprised that Heinz Ward didn't make the final 15 that was my surprise I really thought he had enough juice to, to leapfrog um, Andre Johnson but other than that I wasn't surprised with any of them
2: how about you are you know what
3: I, I, I tend towards uh, uh John's point and so do you Clark because you talked already about Heinz Ward um, I'd I, I I would like to see Heinz
2: Ward with a gold jacket. I don't know what it's going to take, but I, I would like to see it. And then I was going to ask you disappointment, but the disappointment for me was Heinz Ward, honestly. So, uh, I was that yours as well? Uh, no question, Heinz Ward. John.
1: Well, uh, I think I'm not really impressed with the with two of the wide receivers on there. We've talked about them before. You just put in a, you just put in Isaac Bruce. You just put in. Um, Marvin Harrison, so I would have made room for maybe one more defensive player. Maybe Eric Allen deserves you know right. more of a look. He can't get a sniff. So if it were if it were you know up to me and it were my ballot, I would have put maybe him or Darren Woodson to replace those two with the wide receivers. Like Rick Gotham saying, we need more blockers and tacklers in the Hall of Fame. If you go by the number that are in the Hall of Fame versus how they line up on the field. We're 100 short blockers and tacklers versus skill players. We're talking about the 38th or 39th wide receivers to go in if you're talking about uh, uh, Tory and Reggie. And we're arguing about trying to put the 18th defensive tackle in in Seymour or 19th in Bryant Young. So there's a huge disparity there. And I know you can't fix it in one year, but over the next 10, 15 years, there maybe should be a bias towards blockers and tacklers
2: yeah well uh, john i i agree with you 100 percent. i'm going to ask you one last question here it's not about a blocker it's about a tackler that's patrick willis you you look at what he did in eight years seven-time pro bowler six-time all pro five-time first team all pro all decade how far do you think he goes with this vote Uh,
1: in this i think he'll be final 10 without a doubt um i think there's an outside shot that, that somebody goes with peak performance over longevity. And if they do, they would have to pick Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis is in the same category as Terrell Davis, um, Dwight Stevenson. You know that their yep. career ended through not anything. And eight years is plenty. Dick Butkus started nine. And his ninth year was marred by injury. So if you look at the numbers, the all pros, the statistics, of his team how good the defense was uh, if you go by peak performance in my opinion he's definitely will be at the top ten, has a shot at getting in and in my opinion eventually he is going to be a hall of famer
3: you know clark um it might not be right it might not be fair clark but you and i have been in that room long enough to know sometimes it matters who your competition is at your position Clark, right. at your right. position i'll give you an example I am absolutely convinced that John Lynch would have got in in, uh, I don't know, 2018 or whatever it was, but it was the first year that Brian Dawkins was eligible, John. And I, I firmly believe they split the votes that year. Neither one of them got in. Dawkins didn't get in that first year. And I think Lynch was poised to get in and voters couldn't pick between Dawkins and Lynch. They eventually picked Dawkins over Lynch uh, the following year. Uh, So Clark, in terms of Zach Thomas, um,
2: I think Patrick Willis could be a problem for him. Yeah, I, I don't just because of the queue. I think because he's there in, in the, the holding pattern and he's, he's on the steps of Canton, I think that gives him an edge to go from not being a finalist to all of a sudden jumping the queue and going right in. Un- unless you're someone like DeMarcus Ware, who's a first-year eligible, but just as seems to be the best of the first-year eligibles, I don't see that happening because we, this is Patrick Willis' third year. I mean, he he will go as far as the top 10. That's where I think he'll go. I just think but he think could he, take, Clark, I just think he could take some votes away from Thomas. Oh, he could. Yeah. And, and hurt could. him. Yeah. He, yeah. he could. I, I agree with you. Hey, John, thanks so much. John Turney, thanks so much for the help. And uh, again, we'll talk to you soon. You're a great resource for us and, and a great guest as always. Thanks, John.
1: Anytime. Thank you very much. You Stay healthy, John. All right.
2: That was historian John Turner, Pro Football Journal. And Ira, I think the message that he has said before on the show about respecting the queue it's going to be put to a test this time simply because of what you talked about there. I mean, there are some qualified guys moving in here. Bryant Young's one. Patrick Wills is another. Uh, maybe Willie Anderson, but guys who could push that upper echelon. I, I think Willis is the guy most likely to do it. I think B.Y. could get in that top 10. I don't think Willie Anderson will immediately. But I like the fact that Bryant Young's back. I like the fact that Willie Anderson's in there for the first time, and also Patrick Willis for the first time. But it's going to see how interesting how it it sorts itself out from 10 to 5. Clark, I think DeMarcus Ware is the X factor. I do. Yeah,
3: I agree. I agree. um, Let's say four of the holdovers from the top 10 get in. That leaves one spot. If it's not DeMarcus Ware, Clark, doesn't that mean that
2: somebody who's either new or wasn't in the top 10 grabs that last spot. I agree. And I don't think it's going to be a wide receiver. I don't. I, I think what John addresses is right. We, we put in, you know, Marvin Harrison, we put in Isaac Bruce. So I don't think Reggie Wayne and um, uh, oh, Torrey, Torrey Holt, Holt yeah. are, are, are in that that conversation. Anyway, um, thanks for that. was a good conversation on that particular subject. Of course, there's another one involving a Hall of Famer that uh, dominates conversations now and has this week and that's john madden's passing Alright uh, already passed away tuesday at the age of 85 he's the sixth hall of famer that that i can figure out who's passed away in the past year and i went down the list and i had curly Culp, five players curly Culp, sam huff cloud humphrey floyd little and mick Tigelhoff. and now john madden that's an all-star group but john madden you know broadcaster coach um video game expert, whatever, video game um, originator. Where does he register in your memory, a coach at most? I'm talking broadcaster with Summerall or the, the video game that everyone, including our esteemed Hall of Fame producer, Ian Glendon, I think likes to play or like to play at one time. Uh, where does that, where, where does he resonate with you? You know, Clark,
3: the very fact that you asked that question, And that it's not that easy to answer says all you need to know about John Madden, because as a coach Clark highest winning percentage in the history of the NFL for guys with a hundred wins 76% about
2: that. Yeah.
3: Um, Yeah. He played for some great Raiders coach, great Raiders teams, but Clark, they were battling the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dolphins and the Dolphins too. And the Dolphins (laughs) and the Dolphins. (laughs) Clark, who, who else is Al Davis going to trust for 10 years as his right-hand
2: man and didn't want didn't want him to leave when he quit? Yeah, that's right. that's right. That's um, right. Well, you were in the room when he was elected. Our, what was the conversation yeah. like? Because I know one thing that came up, and that was, listen, there are a lot of Raiders who are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, a lot of Raiders, and he went to, what, seven championship games and won how many? One. I know that became a conversation uh, and he won one Super Bowl. But can you sort of take us back to that day and how difficult it was or easy it was to get him over the hump? Clark, that was my first year as a selector. Was it first really? Year? And I believe it was in
3: Detroit. It was in Detroit. That sounds right. And, and the late, great Tom McEwen, who had been the Tampa Bay representative and he was retiring and he nominated me. And so I went into McEwen's office, Clark, a couple of weeks before. Hey, Tom, I'm heading to Detroit in a few weeks. Uh, any advice for a first-time Hall of Fame selector? Keep your mouth shut, Kaufman. <laughs> You're a rookie. Now, Clark, you know me. Not uh, yeah, year. you didn't pay attention to that. Um, but I do remember that first year, and John Madden uh, came up for discussion. And Clark, I think very smartly, the focus was on him as a coach because that was his category. Kind that was of. His,
2: that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right.
3: Um and that was 2006. That was
2: 2006, right?
3: 2006. Yeah, and, 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 and everybody was aware. And by the way, back then he was in the group against the players. Yeah, that's right. You got to remember that. That's tough. That's
2: and, and, tough. And Ian, I know you know you're much younger than we are, but when you think of John Madden, to me, John Madden is football. I mean, just think of John Madden. He sort of personifies football, doesn't he? You know, with those cut off white, the the, the white short sleeve shirts, the and the tie, and the, the muscle, the tussled hair, and 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 he's so exuberant, and enthusiastic. But uh, you you certainly are aware of the video game and the broadcaster. Maybe not so much the the head coach, but uh, what really do you remember most about John Madden? Was it with Summerall? Was it the game? or what, what is it?
0: Well, you know, specifically as a Patriots fan and anyone that was obviously old enough to witness that first Super Bowl, remember he and Summerall, actually their last broadcast together, calling Super Bowl 36. And, you know, for anyone who, again, who's a Patriots fan, his words, you know, obviously talking about Tom Brady, you know, obviously his suggestion that they should go to overtime. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's everyone... Right. Everyone remembers that, and it's lived on in in Patriot lore for quite some time. And, uh, you know, look, I've been playing the the game since 95, so I've experienced quite a bit of that. So it's a mixed bag for me. But to your point, it's like, you know, he has the guest spot on Little Giants. You know, just a little uh, part in the movie where he, you know, gives his little uh, speech. I saw a clip the other day, him talking about the philosophy of jersey numbers and how, like, you know, number 77s were supposed to be, like, big and tall where, like, 48s were like centers because they were just short and kind of fat and just like... Ba- and and it, it, for whatever reason, it made sense. And I think it's because, like you said, he just... He is football. And no yeah, matter what yeah. he says, you think, you know what? Yeah, because he is football. so Well,
2: I, you know what I love with Steve Young weighing in? I don't know if you guys saw what he said on Twitter. They said the first time you ever met John Madden, Madden said... What do you comb your hair with a pork chop? <laughs> if you knew Steve Young and I covered him, he had, a, he had that curly hair and it was everywhere. But um, in any case, a I, I, I big loss for the Bay Area, a big loss for NFL fans and an enormous loss for N- the NFL. Um, John Madden passed away at 85 this week. Um, never forget him. And since Ian mentioned the New England Patriots,
0: um, Ian? Hi, um, football aside, sorry, but I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions. And I was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers. Well, that's a good question. Okay, that's a good thanks. question. And since she asked, much. I'm going to ask you,
2: Ara, do you have any New Year's resolutions you want to share with our listeners and your fans?
3: Clark, I'm going to stun you because I'm going to be concise and succinct. Tom going would to love goes. it. <laughs> there it goes. This is for you, Ian. The end of COVID and the beginning
0: of civility. Wow. That's it. I'm out.
2: Wow. Ian, uh, that's a tough act to follow.
0: Yeah, it, it is. And, and unfortunately, I don't know if mine's going to live up to that. But my New Year's resolution is uh, two things, actually, because I, I, I want to learn to not concern myself with the bad decision making of, of NFL head coaches because it's, it's brought me mountains of stress <laughs> over the last month, month <laughs> and a half or so. And uh, in a more immediate <laughs> resolution, I'm going to convince everyone that the real MVP is Mr. 44-year-old Tom Brady. In
2: Tampa oh, Bay, and it's whoa. Not even close. Oh, that's right in your wheelhouse, Ira, right there in your backyard. Well, since you talked about coaches and decision-making, in mine's a late Christmas present, basically, um, but, you know, better late than never, right? I promise to provide Chargers coach Brandon Staley and the Ravens, John Harbaugh, incinerators and boxes of matches for their dummies guide to analytics. I'm doing that on behalf of frustrated football fans everywhere and this group in particular. Ira, any final thoughts for the week? They're not punting the ball. And you don't like it, Clark. <laughs> I don't like it. The ball. I don't I don't like it. But you know what? We're punting this show right now. That's going <laughs> to do it, not just for this week, but for this year. So on behalf of Ira, Ian, John Turney, and myself, Clark Judge, we'd like to wish you a happy, happy new year. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you in 2022.